Hi, it's JP Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Okay, Happy New Year. I hope you got a chance to check out the Liberty Relearn podcast 2021 in review. And this was a two part special, and it was our year in review. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, um, please take the time to go back and listen to it. I think you'll uh, enjoy hearing some of the highlights from the previous year. Um, but anyhow, going forward, um, let's talk about a tale of two leaders. A Quinnipiac poll released on January 12th showed President Biden's approval rating at just 33%. His approval ratings have been plummeting since the Afghanistan pullout debacle. Meanwhile, on Saturday, Glenn Youngkin was sworn in as Virginia's 74th governor. He won on a platform in many ways diametrically opposed to that of the president's party. Biden's top-down approach to government stands in stark contrast to Yunkin's grassroots approach. The president demands obedience from American citizens. He wants mask and vaccine mandates. He sicked the DOJ on parents who disapproved of leftist ideology being foisted upon their children and who've chosen to speak out forcefully against them. The wants you to associate these people with domestic terrorists. Far from terrorists, Yunkin sees them as concerned parents sick of leftist indoctrination. Moreover, they are a key constituency one of his first executive orders were, was to forbid mask mandates in public schools within the Commonwealth. Biden wants the government and teachers union to determine school curriculum, and Yunkin wants parents to have the chief say. One stands for an authoritarian approach to, of mandates, and the other the libertarian approach of empowering VA Virginia households, parents, and individuals. One enjoys record disapproval. One enjoys a mandate from the people. Which vision for America should, will, prevail? And uh, a couple of sources I'm going to quote later on the podcast. Um, there's an article in the New York Post um, talking about, uh, it's entitled Biden approval rating in Quinnipiac poll drops again to 33%. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, the new Virginia governor. And I uh, will be drawing mainly from an article from Fox News entitled Virginia Governor Yunkin's day one executive orders include investigating Loudoun County officials CRT ban. And so, uh, let's start off with the plummeting approval rating of President Biden. Uh, as I mentioned in my opening, 
uh, his deployment really started when, uh, during August, this past August, when we uh, pulled out of Afghanistan. We did it in kind of a slipshod way. Uh, it was not very, um, it was not a very good look for the America and particularly for uh, President Biden. And of course, I talked about that in a couple of podcasts last year. So you can go back to the August and September time frame and listen to them. Or you probably may have heard if you listen to uh, my special from the last two weeks of, for the uh, 2021 year in review, we, you would have heard me talk about extensively the Afghanistan debacle. Um, so either way um, is good, just if you want to get the background. Um, but just to summarize what happened back then in August is you had the Afghanistan pullout. Uh, Trump had planned the pullout for May. Uh, Biden moved it back to the summer. Uh, the problem with that is the summer is the fighting season for in Afghanistan. So you have the summer running in Afghanistan, the fighting season running roughly from mid to mid October uh, when it starts, the weather starts to get cold and the snow starts to fall in the mountains. And so it makes uh, moving uh, around harder, particularly on foot or on horseback as they do in Afghanistan. So there's a fighting season. And uh, one of the main problems is that Biden moved the withdrawal from the beginning of May when there'd be relatively few Taliban fighters in the country or um, active about the country to the middle of summer where Taliban presence in the country is at its height. And so that was one problem. And also, um, you know, there was the whole spectacle on TV that you would have seen where you have people falling from airplanes to their death. Uh, you have throngs of people surrounding the airport, uh, American citizens, and people with uh, Amer Afghan nationals with special visas uh, couldn't get through. Um, we left the country leaving hundreds of American citizens behind. I think the estimate was uh, 150. One, you know, one of the government estimates was 150. Uh, could well have been more than that. And of course, there are thousands more uh, Afghan nationals who were left behind and uh, who helped our our cause. They helped out NATO they with, with interpreters and other uh, services. So. We left behind a lot of our allies who are now have been killed or are being killed. And of course, there's also a large number of Christians in that country who are being uh, slaughtered each day. And uh, although we managed to get out a lot of the Christians, um, that was uh, practically in spite of and not with the help of the um American government led by the 
Biden administration. And so that was the beginning. And of course, uh, pretty much the whole year long, um, it's been in the news lately uh, with uh, inflation. Uh, we've had inflation over 7%. It's the highest in inflation we've had in decades. And um, now the uh, Fed and other sources from the government uh, are saying that it's not transitory as they originally hoped. Um, but the inflation should be with us for a little while longer. The best they can hope for is a slowdown in the rise of inflation. Um, so, obviously, that's not going to make a president popular. Um, and then, of course, you have all of the uh, leftist ideology and the council culture and all of that sort of things that a lot of Americans are fed up with. And, of course, there's COVID. Um I think the one mandate that uh, President Biden had, not that he had much of a mandate to do anything except be not be Donald Trump, but his mandate was to get the COVID under control. Um, and in the 12 months that he's been president, more people have died from COVID than under the last 12 months of Trump. So he did not see it succeed too well there because we had the Delta variant. Um, and all this, is, mind you, is he already had vaccines, uh, really good treatments, and Trump had none of that um, to speak of except for maybe the last month or two of his president. He, we had just started to roll out the vaccine, but... Um, so, but you know, President Biden inherited Operation Warp Speed and, and the fruits of that, which was the vaccine being rolled out probably years ahead of the normally scheduled rollout for a vaccine, which probably takes around five years. Uh, President Trump got it done in about nine months. And I think uh, Biden was finally forced to give President Trump a little bit of credit for the role of the vaccine, but only because he's been pushing it so hard. So it would be uh, inconsistent for him to bash the president on one hand and uh, on the other hand, insist that everybody be forced to take the vaccine. So that was one of the things that a lot of people seem to not like. Um, that led to the 33% disapproval rating, or a 33% approval rating, I'm sorry. So, basically, and we're going to go over the numbers in a second. So, let's do that now. And so, this is from an article that appeared in the New York Post. Uh, dated 12th of January, 2022, by Mark Moore. And it's entitled, Biden Approval Rating in Quinnipiac Poll Drops Again to 33%. Which means that um, only uh, one-third of the U.S. population thinks that President Biden is 
doing an acceptable job as president and commander-in-chief. And the article goes into some of the details here. Uh, I'm just going to read from the article. President Biden's job approval rating has tumbled to 33% in the latest Quinnipiac University poll. A whopping 17 percentage point drop from February and an indication of American voters' deep dissatisfaction over his administration's response to rising inflation and a resurgence of COVID-19. Now, I have to look at this. Uh, I assume that means from last February, the first full month he was president. But anyhow, um, continuing on, more than half of American adults, 53%, disapprove of the job the president is doing, while 13% told the pollster they couldn't offer an opinion. While Biden hit his high approval rating of 50% in the February 17th edition of the poll, that number hasn't cracked 40% since since mid-September. So basically this is saying that he hasn't been more than 50% popular since I would assume this has been downhill ever since for him. All right, continuing on with the article. At the same time, the president's disapproval rating in the survey has risen 17 percentage rates, or 17 percentage points from its low of 36 percent on February 3rd. Three quarters of Democrats say they approve of Biden, while just 25 percent of independents and 2 percent of Republicans said the same. Biden also received failing marks for his handling of the economy, 34% above, 57% disapprove. The pandemic, 39% approve, 55% or 55, 39% approve, 55% approve. Um, okay, I don't know about that. Anyhow, um, and foreign policy, 35% approve. 54% disapprove. As the first anniversary of Biden's inauguration nears, 50% of Americans say the president is doing about as well as they expected. 39% say he's doing worse than expected, and only 7% say that he's exceeding expectations. Now, pause here for a minute and throw in my own two cents worth um probably i would have to say that yeah honestly he's doing uh as well as expected uh the problem is i expected him to do pretty bad and so yeah he's rising to my low expectations all right so continuing on with the article a plurality, 49%, say the president is doing more to divide the country, while only 42% said he's working to unite it, undercutting a key theme of Biden's successful 2020 presidential campaign. 
Most Americans also don't care for how Democrats and Republicans are handling their jobs on Capitol Hill, with 62% disapproving of Congressional Republicans and 59% disapproving of Congressional Democrats. Kind of surprised to see that, those numbers, but um, I guess that's what the poll says. So, you know, um, so let's go back and uh, through these numbers um, real quick. They just mentioned, mentioned a lot of numbers here. So, um, yeah, 39% say he's doing worse than expected. Um, since I don't know, you know, what's the baseline for that? Because like I said, um, I wasn't expecting him to do too well in the beginning. And I think there's a lot of us who feel that way. And, uh, he is 7% say he's exceeding expectations. Um, he could be exceeding expectations in a negative way. Uh, so yeah, so he is meeting my expectations, just not kind of the way that he would like it. All right, so let us then, if you actually go to the site, you'll see a the uh, poll. Um, it's embedded in there. It's a twelve-page poll. So if you want to take a look at it. Go ahead to uh, NewYorkPost.com or NYPost.com, the New York Post. And uh, but yeah, let's finish up the article. But when asked which party they would want to control the House of Representatives if the midterm elections were held today, Republicans edged out Democrats 43% to 42%. Also, very surprising to me, seeing how every prediction says they're going to get clobbered. Um, but I think that if you look at the poll sampling or the polling, this poll probably samples very heavily Democrats. So I think when we do the real polling this November, I think that's going to be a little bit different. And uh, yeah, well, I think we'll... If things go the way they go, it's not even going to be close. But anyhow, continuing on. When asked which party they'd want to be a majority in the Senate, 45% chose Republican, while 41% said Democrats. So the Senate is 50-50, basically, with the vice president being the tiebreaker. So these reflects kind of not much of a shift when it comes to the Senate, but it does show a, um, probably an increase in the number of people, uh, who would like the Republicans to, to control the Senate. So opinion, I think may well happen. They only have to pick up one seat to, to, uh, regain the majority. And, all right, back to the article. Uh, nearly 6 out of 10 respondents, 59%, said they would not want to see former President Donald Trump run for the White House again in 2024, while just 33% say they would. 
More than two-thirds of Republicans, 69%, say they want Trump to run again, down from the 78% who expressed support for another presidential bid in October. The poll surveyed 1,313 adults between the between January 7 and 10, and the margin of error is plus or minus 2.7 percentage points. So, what the these last few statistics say is that uh, there's a slight edge for Republicans when it comes to controlling the House and the Senate. And I think that's going to be expressed in a wider margin when the actual poll, the only poll that matters, is taken in November. And then... Uh, kind of a more interesting one. Two-thirds of Republicans, 69%, say they want uh, Trump to run again, down from 78% who expressed support for another presidential bid in October. Now, I think this is mainly due to the popularity of Governor DeSantis in Florida. Uh, he is extremely popular. I think he um, he's going to be around for. He's going to do something after he's uh, governor of Florida. I pretty much assure you of that. I think a lot of Republicans would welcome that. And so you have uh, a lot of Republicans, the ones that don't want Trump to run. Probably, I'm guessing, it doesn't say here, but probably I'm guessing would like to see DeSantis run. I think DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, is the prohibitive favorite uh, should uh, President Trump uh, decide not to run in 2024. And I think that it would be, for the Republicans, either candidate would probably be fine I think both either would win against uh, whoever the Democrats trot out. Um, right now it's Joe Biden, but we all know that that's not very likely to be the case in 2024, particularly when your disapproval rating after 12 months is 33%, or your approval rating is 33%. And your disapproval rating is pretty high, too. And so I think the Democrats are going to do everything they can between now and then to uh, find another candidate. But they've got big problems there. The problems that Democrats have uh, will be facing in 2024 is that they really don't have a very deep bench. Uh, Vice President Harris is a non-starter. She, she's even less popular than the president, if that's even possible. And uh, sources say that her uh, staff are fleeing from her. And so that's probably a non-starter. And so I think what's going to happen is, if I had to guess right now, obviously a lot can happen between now and then, but... The Democrats are just going to take the L in 
uh, November. And uh, about a year from now, we'll be swearing in a new House of Representatives uh, led by Republicans with a Republican majority. And the Speaker of the House will, of course, be a Republican. And I think that's going to take care of that. And what that allows, the that now gives the Democrats the latitude to play with the vice president. And, well, they can't really do too, anything with the president except for uh, get him, impeach him, which is not going to happen, obviously, under the Democrats. But they could use the 25th Amendment. If things get too bad, that's conceivable, but not too likely. Uh, the problem is with uh, Vice President Harris, uh, her approval ratings are dismal too. So you don't really get any improvement uh, if you go with Harris at the top of the ticket. So I think what happens is the Democrats, again, this is all speculation and it's long time in, in terms of political time. But um, if things go like a, the way that most people expect, uh, there'll be a... Um, the Speaker of the House will be a Republican, and so the minority leader uh, will be someone other than Nancy Pelosi, because she will step down and she will go off into the San Francisco sunset. And uh, so someone will replace her, whoever is the minority leader, probably won't be Pelosi. And that will be someone that they want to be ready to actually do the job of vice president. And so that's that's our concern is, you know, they can't really replace Biden with Harris. Because when you replace Biden with Harris, who do you replace Harris with? You can't replace Harris with Pelosi. And Pelosi's not going to be around in all likelihood in 2023. Anyway, so what the Republicans or the, what the Democrats have to do is they're going to have to uh, tinker with the Speaker of the House position and put something, somebody that they think can do the job, not just of Speaker of the House, but of vice president and maybe even president at that point. So they're going to have to pick someone who's fairly popular with everybody. Um, and, and it can't be, I would not expect it to be any one of the squad because they're too divisive, but who knows, you know, with what they're thinking. But, Anyway, um, I wouldn't go if I were the Democrats with any member of the squad. Um, so they will have to find somebody with some sort of gravitas within the Democrat Party. Um, who knows what that would be? Um, just as an aside, I'm hearing speculation. Uh, I forget who it was. Um who brought up the idea of a Hillary Clinton 
uh, Cheney ticket. So a, a Clinton Cheney ticket, which I don't know. I'd like to see that. I mean, as a conservative and on the libertarian side, yeah, that would be fun to watch. But I think that's, you know, they're, they're, they're just casting about for anybody that they think can do the job, which who has a, the, the real possibility of winning. And so I think what the Democrats, again, it's hard to get in their heads, um, and it's very early still, but at the top of the ticket, um, I think um, the president will not announce for re-election. Uh, he will either not choose to be re-elected or, or not accept the nomination. You know, like LBJ, I don't think he's going to have any problem with that, but he's not going to be, um, he may not run at all. Um, he will almost certainly be primaried uh, unless there's some sort of drastic change in the Democrats' fortune between now and then. Um, but they'll have, um, they'll have, they'll have somebody waiting in the wings, uh, whether it's Hillary Clinton or somebody, they'll have somebody that can at least uh, challenge um, for president because I think they, they know if they get trounced in the midterms where all this is leading for 2024. And so they have to get their ducks in order before then. And so they'll probably primary uh, President President Biden if he runs, and they will probably do something uh, with Vice President Harris. They'll force her out or make her resign or something like that. And but before they do that, I think they're trying to wait until the results of the midterm elections and they can just let um, Pelosi go gracefully and replace her. And it'll be very telling uh, what happens if and when they replace her. Of course, they will, it will be as a minority leader and not the Speaker of the House anymore. But uh, if they replace her with someone with a little bit of gravitas, maybe someone with a bit of a centrist appeal or at least the illusion of centrist appeal, um, maybe even someone like a Kirsten Cinema or Joe Manchin, even though they're not in very good stead with the Democrat Party. Uh, who knows what they might do by then? Um, they might looking to tack um to the middle, um, you know, kind of triangulate, or they'll go with Hillary Clinton. But anyway, they. What what they do with the Speaker of the House or the Minority Leader at that point will be very telling. I think you'll you'll see a lot happening uh, this time next year when all of the seats are rearranged in Congress. So look forward to that. Now uh, getting on with the other half, as I mentioned, uh, 
the Commonwealth of Virginia has a new governor. His name is Glenn Youngkin. And uh, looks from all appearances that he's hit the ground running. And he's doing a lot of things. Uh, he's calling for a Loudoun County to investigate Loudoun County officials, uh, I would assume, and we'll find out when I, together when I read this article from Fox News, but I suspect that's going to be over the case of whether uh, or when one of the students in one of their schools was allegedly raped by someone who uh, basically was I guess we'd call it a trans woman, trans female, or trans girl. Anyhow, it will be over the rape or sexual assault of that person. I think that's what they're going to investigate down in Loudoun County. And of course there's the CRT bans, critical race theory ban. Uh these are things that Glenn Yunkin ran on and these are what um, got him into office um, with the promise of this. And so now we're going to switch over and read some from uh, Fox News's article by Andrew Mark Miller uh, entitled Virginia Governor Youngkin's Day One Executive Orders Include Investigating Loudoun County Officials CRT Ban. The governor has signed nine executive orders and two executive directives. And let's find out what they were. Virginia's newly sworn-in Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin signed 11 executive actions on his first day in office, including ending the use of critical race theory in schools, investigating officials' alleged wrongdoing in Loudoun County, and allowing parents to decide if their children should wear masks in schools. Youngkin announced the list of executive actions in a news release after being sworn in as the Commonwealth's 74th governor, the first Republican elected since 2009 on Saturday in Richmond, the capital of Virginia. Very beautiful place, by the way. Anyhow, um goes on to list the 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 actions that the governor took um they the governor signed nine executive orders that address the following issues to restore excellence in education by ending the use of divisive concepts including critical race theory in public education to empower Virginia parents in their children's education and upbringing by allowing parents to make decisions on whether their child wears a mask in school, to restore integrity and confidence in the parole board of the Commonwealth of Virginia, to investigate wrongdoing in Loudoun County, to make government work for Virginians by creating the Commonwealth Chief Transformation Officer to declare Virginia open for business to combat and prevent human trafficking and provide support to survivors 
to establish a commission to combat anti-Semitism, to withdraw from the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, RGGI. Obviously, these were all uh, things that Youngkin campaigned on during the election, and it seems like they uh, they resonated with the voters. Obviously, they voted him, in, and he's now the governor. So let's go over a couple of these. Um, pretty much, we all knew uh, about his ever effort to restore excellence in education by ending the use of divisive concepts, including critical race theory in public education. Now, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I haven't read the wording of the exact executive order, but hopefully the executive order and any subsequent uh, legislation um, if you say you're banning critical race theory, what the Democrats are going to say as well, we're not teaching Democrat the critical race theory anyhow. So what you have to say is you, you're banning any teaching that, uh, stems from the concept of theory of critical race theory. Uh, I would probably go with um, uh, Marxism. You know, I I would um, I would use I would be uh, sure to include the term uh, cultural Marxism to kind of broaden the definition so that they can't pin you down and say, "Ha ha, we're not." We're not teaching CRT. That's only t- taught in uh, uh, legal schools and you know law schools, and we're not teaching it. Therefore, we're in compliance. And so, what you have to do is you have to blo- broaden that definition out a bit to basically include all of cultural Marxism, any idea that there's an oppressor and an oppressed, and that every time there's an imbalance of power, there is an oppressor who oppresses the the minority groups or group. Okay, so that's you kind of have to do that. I would kind of broaden that the language to cultural Marxism and go that way. But uh, sounds good. We all know what he means. They know what he means. I'll try and wiggle their way out of it and. Uh, but uh, you get, he has to keep the, the wording of the order broad enough. So hopefully he did that. Um, and it said, to empower Virginia parents in their children's education and upbringing by allowing parents to make decisions on whether their child wears a mask in school. This is a big um There's really not a lot of evidence to suggest that masks are helping um, children, um, because children just by their very nature are not very susceptible to the COVID-19 disease. They very rarely, uh, encounter complications severe enough for hospitalization and almost never die from the, the disease. And, and those few that do 
die with COVID almost never die strictly from COVID. So the idea that you're protecting the kids, which are, are have astronomical odds against them even going to the hospital over COVID, um, unless there's some new variant that really uh, attacks them. Um, but so far, you know, you can't say that masks are helping because, you know, well, they're not helping the kids. You can argue that they're helping the teachers and the staff, but the staff fought so hard and their unions fought so hard to ensure that they got their vaccinations. And I would assume that if they're going to complain that they better have their vaccinations or, you know, what are you complaining about? You know, you've had every chance to be vaccinated. And so, you know, you're not going to make a kid wear a mask so that you don't have to be vaccinated. That's not the way it works. Um, so that looks good. Now, I, I think, I suspect that the wording of this order will say that, that uh, kind of like um, what they did in Florida is that the children can wear masks and parents can have their children wear a mask and that's fine, but they cannot be made to wear a mask. So um, mask wearing will be optional, but it won't be banned. And that's an important distinction. Um, and then to restore the comforts of the parole board, that seems to be a local Virginia issue. Investigate the wrongdoing in Loudoun County. I suspect a lot of that has to do, again, with the sexual assault of a female student at the hands of a biologically male student. Um, and uh, there's attempt, apparently there's alleged attempt to cover up the whole incident with that. So I believe that is the wrongdoing in Loudoun County. Other, and I think there's other kind of issues, but I think that the sexual assault issue will be the main one there. So good for Yunkin there. And then, uh, you know, creation of the transformation officer. Um, that's fine. Um, depends on what the officer does. I mean, you know, whatever. Again, that's, that's something that's particular to, I guess, Yunkin. Uh, declare Virginia open for business. And uh, what I assume that what is meant there is left any remaining um, impediments to business opening like, you know, mask mandates. Um, again, I'm pretty sure the wording will say that if a mask, if a business wants to, require masks, you know, if it's a private business, they'll be allowed, but they cannot force anybody to wear a mask. And there won't be any, uh, of course, any lockdowns, um, which is hard to imagine that there's been any lockdowns, but, you know, there won't be any more uh, lockdowns. So I think the Virginians can rest assured that there won't be any lockdowns, at least not any coming from the state government or commonwealth government and to combat and prevent human trafficking and provide support to survivors and of course a lot of this is though virginia is not 
a border state. You know, it's not on the southern border. Of course, it nonetheless, like every, pretty much every other state in the Union, has some sort of problem with illegal immigration and... Of course, associated with illegal immigration is a great deal of human trafficking that goes on. So I think that is going to be their way of combating uh, illegal immigration, uh, which again is closely associated with human trafficking. Um, so sounds good. And establish a commission to combat anti-Semitism. Kind of surprising that there isn't one in the Commonwealth already, but, you know, good for them. Um, of course, um, hopefully that commission will uh, have something to say about um, the, uh, what's it called, the BDS movement, the divestment sanctions from uh, Israel. Um, so, you know, you cannot have prejudicial, uh, treatment of the country of Israel or Israeli citizens by or on behalf of the Commonwealth. Um, so hopefully they'll, they'll take that in that direction. That's hopefully, and, you know, any anti-Semitism in general, um, kind of surprising that there isn't already something to combat that but maybe they feel like they have a more formalized um commission dedicated to that and to withdraw from the regional greenhouse gas initiative so that probably will open up some uh coal um some fracking in that state i think that's the idea of that which will be good, it will help, should help create jobs in Virginia in, um, in, in the energy industry. And, uh, of course, that would be good by extension for all of um, the United States if, they can, if we can produce more energy and uh, the impediments can be removed at the state level. Okay, and uh, we'll just do another paragraph from the article here. Uh, it says, in addition to the executive orders, Youngkin signed two executive directives that will, quote, cut job regulations by 25% and rescind the coronavirus vaccine mandate for state employees. The executive order regarding wrongdoing in Loudoun County comes after the school district gained national attention during the campaign following the arrest of a 14-year-old male high school student who identifies as non-binary, who has been found guilty of raping a female student in a school bathroom. That student was transferred to another school where he allegedly raped another student and the district has been accused of covering up the crime, which resulted in one of the alleged victim's parents being arrested at a school board meeting. The offending student has been placed on the sex offenders registry for life as part of his sentence. 
And so, yeah, it is, as I suspected, um, that's what they were talking about um, when they're regarding with wrongdoing in Loudoun County. These um, rapes that and school, school system uh, has allegedly um, kind of tried to, to cover up the incidents and trying, you know, they tried to move them from this, the perpetrator from one school to another. And so they're going to get to the bottom of that, which is a good thing. As an aside to that, um, it's worth noting that when it says, um, it mentions the parent, um, was arrested, um, the parent of one of the, uh, uh, victims, uh, he, and so when the DOJ on behalf of the Biden administration, um, wants to go after teachers and people, um, for, you know, alleged domestic terrorism, really the, I think the only act of violence, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, actually uh, ended up in an arrest was not after people, you know, not after anybody yelling about, uh, CRT at all, but it was this, uh, parent who, uh, was arrested, um, because he was really mad about, um, his daughter being raped and, and the school system apparently, um, not doing anything about it being covered up. And so when you're talking, when they want to cite, uh, actual acts of violence, uh, know that really this is the only act of violence, at least that I know of that ended up in an arrest and it wasn't even regarding CRT and also on that subject, uh, it was recently found out that as, as was suspected that I think it was the, the, the secretary of education, um, basically instigated the whole letter where they ask, um, was it the educational association or somebody to complain about these things and insinuate that there's domestic terrorism going on and get the DOJ involved and the DOJ created a special domestic terrorist uh, task force to investigate uh, parents complaining at school board meetings. Um, basically is the same people who investigate domestic terrorists from like Islamic terrorism and other terrorists. And so that's really, I mean, if you wanted to think about one key issue that got Youngkin elected, that's it. That's a combination of the CRT being taught in schools, parents not liking it, uh, the sexual assault. Uh, bringing negative attention to the school system in Loudoun County, and um, and then the DOJ and the federal government playing overplaying their hand and pretending like there's some sort of domestic terror problem um, with regards to parents uh, speaking out against things like CRT and sexual assault in bathrooms and things of that nature. 
So it all goes to the theatrics and uh, anti-conservative bigotry um, that is being perpetuated by the Biden administration, in my opinion. And so it's not any wonder, kind of going a little bit long here, but that's okay. Um, it's no wonder that you know you have these two leaders. Uh, one using authoritarian, heavy-handed methods, such as one I just uh, mentioned about using the FBI, DOJ, and the power of the FBI, and um, pretending that there's a some sort of domestic terror problem among teachers at school board meetings and such. And then you have Glenn Youngkin, on the other hand, who is doing a more libertarian approach in putting the par the parents in charge of the the school um, and in charge of the curriculum and having parents have more say you know goes on in their children's school and so of course you know it's no wonder really if you think about it why why Youngkin won and and it's because uh, the president and the Democrats and the left, were doing things that really the average person didn't like, and they were able to uh, get away with these things until it just came to a head. And these, you know, at the these schools, and were were exposed for teaching uh, divisive, racist CRT training and and things like that. And so it's no wonder there. And then you have inflation, which obviously some of it has to do with COVID-19, but really our lockdowns and restrictions due to COVID-19, not actual people being sick from it. And so you have inflation, um, record high gas prices and energy prices, uh, record high inflation, um, highest in decades, I think 40 years or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And so people don't like that, and you can't pretend that that's not happening because people can see that. Uh, you know, you can um, do all this word games with CRT and saying CRT is not really CRT and it's not being taught, and you can baffle them with BS um, only so much. But when it comes to actual uh, buying a gallon of milk or a steak or filling up your um, car's gas tank. You can't pull the wool over people's eyes that way. And so people don't like that. And also there's the uh, vaccine mandates. And it turns out that Americans really don't like to be bossed around that much. And so they're pushing back. And so they don't like what they're doing, um, and even someone on the left who really champion, you know, we, you know, they say they voted for Biden's because he promised to end uh, COVID. Instead, it's gotten worse. Um, although it's actually probably going to burn itself out, God willing, um, sometime this year, or at least it will be end as forever as a crisis in much of the world. So, God willing. That will happen. Um, fingers crossed, I think it will happen. Um, that's something we might dedicate an episode or two uh, in the future to. 
Um, but you know, he didn't, he promised that and he didn't get done. Why are you going to promise you're going to stop a virus? I don't know. Um, that the virus is a force, force of nature and, you know, making people take a vaccine and make people, making people wear masks, doing two things that some people don't want to do. Um, and using force, using the threat of force, you know, forcing them out of their jobs, um, through, it turns out to be unconstitutional in the case of the OSHA mandate, not unfortunately the case with the healthcare mandate, but you know, I think the OSHA mandate for companies over 100 employees was kind of the bigger win, uh, help more people. Some like 80 million people, I think would have been affected. Um, and so he's in, that was the last of a series of court cases that he lost because he, he overplayed the hand of the federal government basically and tried to do things that the government is not allowed to do under the constitution. And it turns out people, a lot of, most people don't like that. And if you keep doing things like that, you're going to get your disapproval rating very high and your approval rating is only going to be about 33%. And so that is what you have. And so it'll be interesting to see what Yunkin uh, does. Um, he'll probably model himself after DeSantis in Florida, which if you're a Republican, that's probably a good thing. That's probably uh, the gold standard for Republican governors right now. It'll be Ron DeSantis. And, and so we'll see. And uh, we'll also see whether or not this disapproval rating, um, it's almost certainly going to translate into a defeat at the polls this November with Democrats. Um, but we'll see how it, if they can tack back to the center and start triangulating like uh, Bill Clinton did during his presidency. Some tells me they're not. But anyhow, um, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how Youngkin governs and whether he has success. But some so far... Um, he seems to be doing the right things, at least as far as what um, conservatives and libertarians would have him do. So good for him. Good luck to him. And uh, hopefully uh, it works out for the people of Virginia because that will be another, um, you know, what's good for Virginia will tend to be good for the rest of the United States. So good. And so thank you for listening. And again, if you have listened to the 2021 year in review, a 2021 in review uh, Liberty Relearn podcast. It is a two-part special. I hope you have listened to it. If not, please go back and listen to it. Um, that covers a lot of the important topics um, over the past 12 months. Uh, so really good. And particularly, you know, if you just need a synopsis, maybe you're new to the podcast and you want a synopsis of what I've been talking about uh, go back and listen to the last two episodes. So thank you for listening. Hope you will continue on throughout the year and look us up on parlor and Liberty Learned on, uh, Facebook and LR podcast at LR podcast on getter. So thank you for listening and stay happy, healthy, and free.